here to basically talk about inclusivity and things of that in you know like TTRPGs, video games, reality and real life as well. Talking on some things that most people probably don't want to talk about, but we're not going to avoid those topics because we think it's important that we discuss those topics and the more you talk about them, the more people can understand them. But anyway, again, I am Will, one of three, and I'm going to let my compadres introduce themselves. Why don't we start with Mikey this time? Oh, I'm going second. This is a shocker. <laughs> but hello, everyone. This is Mikey. This is one of the other Divergents, as well as the founder of Vibe Tribe Productions. Yeah, I'm excited. This is gonna, this is our first two-part episode, so if you haven't listened to the previous episode, you should probably go and want to take a listen to that one. I'm excited, and there's going to be lots of opinions tonight, that's for sure, between all three of us. But they're going to be educational opinions, at least we hope. Was it? No promise. Yeah, so I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. This is going to be good. And Sululus Programas, and welcome. I am the nerdy Puerto Rican otherwise known as Adolfo. I am the third Divergent, and we are here to diversify. I love that. Oh my gosh. Okay, we need an in- we need a, like a intro music now with that sort of diversify. Oh my god. <laughs> I like that, you know, the more you know, but it says diversify. Just play the jingle, but it says yep. Sorry. I may or may not ask. I may or may not ask an editor to create that for us, but no promises. I'll add that to my list. So, yeah. So this is our first two-parter. Our in the part one, we talked about accessibility, mostly in the real world, and how much, or not how much, but how very little accessibility there is in a world that should have a lot of it. We talked about some big named parts. And not really all that accessible to people with handicaps and things of that. We also put a list of handicap, very friendly places all over the place. But tonight we're going to talk about accessibility, TTRPGs, video games, you name it. We're going to try to go into that sort of quote unquote non-reality area. Because important in there as it is in reality. And then and when we go from accessibility, we'll talk about some other things as we go on. But we want to talk about accessibility first in the TTRPGs. I'm not going to start this one off because I tend to start them off and I tend to talk for a long time. So I'm going to let you guys take it up for a little bit. I'm Adolfo, you can go. Okay, so I'll just, I'll just get to the meat and potatoes of what I got. So I am a big comic book fan. And of the comic books, I am a big bat, Batman that family reader and <laughs> any any comic book fan knows of barbara gordon one of barbara gordon's aliases is batgirl she is the original batgirl but then she gained another alias by the name of oracle mm-hmm. now the way that barbara gordon became oracle is controversial in itself well, even though it is one of the seminal storylines it's it was still done the way that hasn't really aged well pretty much to give as much of the tldr in the comic book world barbara gordon is the daughter of commissioner gordon and barbara gordon is a batgirl who is a often 
accomplice of Batman and Robin and all the different iterations of Robin and by extension, the rest of the Bat family and the Justice League, yada, yada, yada. So back in, I want to say it was the mid 90s. I think it was the mid 90s. I have to fact check myself in a minute. But there was a a storyline called The Killing Joke. And in this storyline, of course, Joker, he did his stereotypical Joker things to fuck with Batman. And in this storyline, one of the things he did was he broke into the Gordon's apartment in Gotham. He shot Barbara Gordon. He found Barbara Gordon alone in the Gordon's apartment. And he shoots Barbara Gordon in the gut. The bullet, it pierces her spine, leaving her paraplegic, or leaving her, not paraplegic, but without the use of her legs. And going forward from this point, Barbara Gordon could, of course, not be Batgirl anymore. And it was actually... Though the storyline that spawned, or no, though the initial story, the, the killing joke that spawned the storyline is, like I said, very it's still controversial, hasn't aged well. The story that was given to Barbara after that was one of the more better written and, in my opinion, inspirational stories, in that she did go through the steps of grieving. She was wheelchair bound after that point, but instead of letting her grief consume her, she decided to take the mantle of, to take a new mantle. And instead of being Batgirl at this time, she saw that the, the information superhighway was becoming a thing and the internet was really becoming into prominence, this, that, and the other. So using her smarts and her innate abilities at at flying flying a computer system and whatnot she became the white hat i guess you could call super super hacker by the name of oracle and oracle at first she was the information gatherer for batman and the bat family but as she went on she really she wrote a very strong story and for herself as Oracle. And there is a very large contingent of comic book fans that know Barbara Gordon more as Oracle than as Batgirl. Um, She proved that even with her limitations, she was still as powerful, if not more powerful than, than Superman, who, you know, the DC lexicon is like, is the ultimate in superpower power sets so then in the mid 2000s i think that's when they they decided to do the new 52 and the dc storyline and from one day to the next barbara gordon went from being oracle to being batgirl again and having the use of her of her legs and almost as if that whole storyline was just swept under the swept under the rug Never happened. Thankfully, as competent writers continue to write for Batgirl, they under, they saw the outcry and they did start to address how 
she was able to get her the use of her legs back. But at this time, Barbara Gordon is still Batgirl. However, the way she got her, the use of her legs back is she had to go through this super, super experimental surgery, which there's a microchip that's attached in her spine. And sometimes de- dependent on the muscle fatigue, because she never really, she never really got physical therapy after after she she was shot, she just went straight from being Oracle to being Batgirl. The the muscles never healed up properly. There are days that she's left in a wheelchair again. In a slight way, they've they've gone back to that, but it's I just it was that initial switch I felt was very just exploitive because why with all the other backgrounds that, that there have been in the dc universe if anyone reads a comic book that that especially nowadays the name superhero names are, are passed on like a mantle and batgirl was one of those things that when barbara barbara stopped being bat was stopped being batgirl she passed that mantle on to another and then there was there was even another so you know why and i know you had asked this question why when the new 52k came out did they just sweep that whole oracle that whole thing under the rug and just make her able to use her legs again and unfortunately the unfortunate fact of the matter is that there's never been a real up up until just recently there's never been a real or even a real life reason as to why it happened. So I just, that's, I, it, I felt it was just, a, it's a big exploitation because Barbara Gordon as Oracle was, was a great character and really could show and really showed the human spirit of overcoming. And I felt it was a good example already a space where you hardly the only other superhero that comes to mind that has that has some sort of that's handy capable, if you will, is Daredevil, who's blind. The reason why he's able to do his thing is because he had chemicals spilled on him, and even though he lost his sight, all his other senses have become expanded upon. That's not the case here. She lost the use of Barbara Gordon lost the use of her legs, and they built the story from there. And I, I feel that it's a disservice that they just they flipped the script on that part of on that part of Barb Gordon's life, and almost like a slap in the face to the to the community. What do y'all think? <laughs> I think it's stupid, especially without a logical explanation behind it. We did this because I don't understand. I understand that people are like, oh, we want Barbara Gordon's Batgirl back and blah, blah, blah. But it's smart. As you mentioned before, because the name, the titles or the whatever are handed down, the mantle, it's like a mantle. So the Batgirl name can be handed down. I don't understand why they didn't just do that. I get people want Barbara Gordon. And this sudden, this miracle surgery. I mean, it's like in, what was it in? Oh, what was the comic? Nightfall. Remember Nightfall when 
Batman's yeah, back was Batman. broken, yep, yep. and then it was healed pa- paranormally or whatever they said. Yep. <laughs> oh, it can't really do that way. So we have to find some kind of weird reason that suddenly his back's not broken anymore. And I'm just like, and maybe that was like 93, 94, I think. So I understand back then things were a lot different. But now if Batman's got his back broken, then he's paralyzed. And you find a way around it, like a mech suit or something of that nature. Yeah. Yeah. You could have put her in a damn mech seat. You didn't have to make her unhandicapped, like unparalyzed. Put her in, make her, she's brilliant. She's basically Batman, truly. And when it comes to like intelligence, why can't she, why couldn't she have designed a really kick-ass like suit that would stimulate her spine and let her walk in the suit, only in the suit? And that was one way of looking at it. But as you said, in that time period when she was Oracle, they had two other Batgirls. Yeah, they had, I know. Well, Stephanie Brown and uh, who was the other Batgirl? I forgot the other. Batgirl. I just Stephanie Brown's the one that I'm more familiar with. But I am doing the Google check. Give me a sec. <laughs> no, I agree. It's, I don't understand that. I don't get it. Yeah, and they they could have just they could have just kept her as Oracle because she was terrifying as Oracle. There there were a yeah. lot there were a lot of supervillains that were scared yeah. shitless because yeah. of the things she could do as a yeah. yeah, I don't understand. I don't understand that. I don't understand why. And like I said, I was Googling while you were talking. I was trying to find something that says, oh, we did this because, but I couldn't find anything. So I'm like, yep. That, yeah, DC. <laughs> so let's see. So, fact checker here. <laughs> You're a research man, too. So, there have been a couple of characters who have donned the mantle of Batgirl. So, obviously, Barbara Gordon is who we're talking about. After Barbara was Helena Bartinelli, then Cassandra Kane, and then Stephanie Brown. That's what it was. Yeah, Cassandra Kane and Stephanie Brown. They both had, were uh, Batgirl while Barbara was, uh, was Oracle. But, yeah, I, and I don't know, man. I, I just, like... From a storyteller ta- standpoint, too, I, I just I don't want to say it's lazy writing, but just to me, it just feels what? like sort of lazy writing. Okay, so I just found something. And if this is true now, people can look this and try to find out. But now this came out in June of 2011. It says in Batman, the killing joke, as you were talking about, the Joker shot Barbara, rendering her paraplegic. Give her the as part of a move by DC Comics to reignite public interest in its publications. Yeah, what? Their interest in their public in its publications. Uh, And then it's the title of it is. Oh yeah, the title of it is. The title of the link, Mikey. You can put it in the in our down below. It is called. Oh, sorry. Oh, just close your ghost. The title of the article, it's from The Guardian, but the title of it is Batgirl Back on Her Feet After 23 Years in DC Comics Reboot. Three. 23 years. 23 years. And in that time, I don't think there was that much of a fan outcry for Barbara Gordon to be Batgirl again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I just, that's just lazy right. That's, and before we get the all the fan humans jumping in, Marvel is just as guilty for doing this type of lazy writing, too. So let's not. Which is unfortunate. And I'm going to talk about Marvel real quick and back and forth here. 
But the thing about that, that when they do things like that in Marvel, that pisses me off is because from the very beginning, they have preached nothing except your mutation makes you who you are. Yep. Don't change it. Yep. Don't change it. Don't seek to have it changed. It's who you are. And then suddenly we have these changes and suddenly they're doing that. They don't do this anymore. They do that. And I'm like, why are we doing this? Why are we changing the basis, the basic foundation of inclusivity and accessibility and self-exception? You know, why in the world? Because comic books, believe it or not, comic books are very powerful. They're far more powerful than people think they are. Because they allow you to see yourself in extraordinary circumstances. They allow you to go, oh my gosh, that is a gay superhero. I can see myself as that superhero because I'm gay. And that makes me live a life extraordinary through a comic book. So it's very powerful. So then you suddenly take those characters away or they get killed off or whatever. And they're not replaced with anything. It's suddenly I feel that I'm not worth that. I'm yep. not worthy of having a superhero that is like me. And, and with Barbara Gordon, she's in a wheelchair. And what are you saying to all these young girls out there in wheelchairs that, oh, wait, walking is way better than being in a chair? Sorry. Yeah. You can't be a superhero if you're in a wheelchair. Because you have to wear the skin tight. Yeah. You know? And it's like... You... And I think it's frustrating because... It is a cool piece of artwork, but at the same time, it's super frustrating. The cover for Batgirl number one, which I own from the New 52, is Barbara Gordon in her new, in the New 52 Batgirl outfit, which is a ramped up version of the old Batgirl outfit. It's not the current Batgirl outfit where it looks like she's cobbled everything together. The, this Batgirl outfit that she's in is it's like the high tech Lycra and she's and she's swinging from one rooftop to another and she she's doing like the her legs are, are spread and she's doing the whole the whole fucking thing and it's just kind of, yeah I like when I first saw the cover and everything I was like oh you know that that's cool and again the art the artwork is it's a cool piece of artwork but then after I had some time to ruminate on it but I'm like. Okay, so last week she was in a wheelchair, and now she's spread eagle flying over Gotham. That's frustrating. And for all you Marvel people, Professor Xavier. I give you Professor Xavier. One of the most powerful mutants out there. In a wheelchair for most of his life. Until he goes out to space and meets his hot alien girlfriend. And then is able to walk again. I'm sorry, hot royalty alien girlfriend then is able to walk yeah. again. That's Lalandra, wasn't it? Was that Lalandra we're talking about in the Phoenix yeah, saga, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Phoenix saga. Yep. Well, yeah, yeah, suddenly. Oh, look, you can walk again. <laughs> what? No. Absolutely not. No. And that drives me nuts. Drives me insane. And I see, I and I, we were talking before we started recording about Barbara Gordon. I because I was not in the loop on the new Barbara Gordon controversy, and so I was blissfully ignorant about it. And then 
that awful told me about it. And then now I'm a little pissed off about it. <laughs> yeah. I don't, especially without a reason, like a true reason. Why did you do this? And like you saw, they gave no reason. The whole rollout for the new 52 was, was a clusterfuck anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean, but yeah, it, they just, there was so many really big misfires. I, and that was one of them. As a matter of fact, I think that there was more of an outcry of fans seeing Barbara Gordon as Batgirl again when the new 52 came out and being like, what the fuck just happened? As opposed to, oh, yay, Barbara Gordon's Batgirl again. Because they, we, as readers, we, we are now in, we are invested with Barbara Gordon as Oracle. And we are invested with Stephanie Brown as Batgirl. And then all of a sudden, the next day, that's all, that was all nothing. Yeah, it's lazy writing. Lazy writing. Lazy writing. And also, unfortunately, I think too, it's, I fear a lot of times that ha that also has the executives get their hands into the pot, as it were, and start flexing their muscles a little bit, which has always been my, another one of my big sticking points in, with comic books and whatnot is when, you know, the big execs, they like, no, we want to see it this way. And it's, yeah, but we have this story already that's, not only is it established, but it's good. It's a good story and the people like it. And it's nah, we're just going to do this, which now, unfortunately, I don't read a lot of manga, but I don't think that, oh good, Mikey is making steeple fingers. So ho hopefully he'll, he can correct me on this, but I don't think that it's the erasure of people with disabilities is as prominent in manga as it is in Western comics. And Mike, please, please jump in and correct me on this. But I feel like it's at least written better. Go ahead, Mike. And I say one thing before we get into manga and all that, which yeah. I really have to say about, I was reading another article by Den of Geek. I put it in, in our thing as well. And this is what they said. I said, while this statement pissed me off, while a wheelchair using Batgirl would have been super cool, that didn't fit with DC's vision for a hero who apparently had to use her legs to save the cool Burnside neighborhood of Gotham. There you go. That really irritates me oh. so much. Oh, man. The fact that they literally said, oh, a wheelchair, like, fighting superhero would have been badass. But that doesn't really fit our vision of what a hip, yeah. cool superhero should be. What the fuck? Yeah. Ah. So anyways, Mikey, manga, go ahead. Okay. Hi, this is your resident manga and anime person on this podcast. So I want to preface what I'm about to go on about with just a blanket statement. My opinion and my viewpoint should not be the overall consensus of the majority of the fan base of anime and manga across the not just the United States, but worldwide. So now that's out of the way. At least from my experience reading it through the various series that I have read within the my 
29 years of life, so to speak. There hasn't it's not as the erasure of handicapable folks is not as prevalent as it is in the Western culture, though on the same coin, you don't really see a lot of handicapable like stories. There is one in particular that I think within recent memory kind of explores that idea a little bit. Oh, and it's all back in my classroom. But one of the series that I think that does an excellent job of kind of making a character who is handicapable more. One of the central focuses of the story is I want to make sure I get the author's name right because I wanted to give credit because it's one of my favorites but and this is a different read for me one of the, the more recent series that I picked up that I read and also has been animated into a film as well is a silent voice so if you <laughs> I just had the peanut gallery give me a yes because they watched the movie with me and loved it <laughs> but a Silent Voice is was originally is originally a Japanese manga written by author Ima, which then got adapted into a film, which is currently sitting on Netflix. So I highly recommend it. It's really cute and beautiful. But the idea of the story is it follows the two, our two protagonists from when they were young children up to in high school, as most of these like adventures tend to with like high school young adult kind of characters. But the whole premise of the story is that this kid used to bully this girl who happens to be deaf. And then because of an experience when they were younger, he reconnects with her while they're older. And so he ends up he ends up trying to make it better with her. And because of that experience that he had when he was a child has turned him off to not want to be social with anybody, but being able the point of the story is that by being able to experience her world and how she lives her life and the things that she goes through as well as some of the ups and downs that come with these kinds of friendships and relationships i think it's a beautiful story that kind of culminates into and i'm not going to spoil it because i want people to read and watch the movie but you get to see the ups and downs of it but other than that instance, there really isn't any other anime or manga, at least to my knowledge, that has these handicapable individuals. Now, I will say, I think one of the more taboo topics that happens to be in it is in a lot of the more recent manga, because a lot of the diversity for a lot of these newer mangas tend to come from authors who are not within the eastern part of the world. So one of my favorite new series is called Radiant. It's what happens when you take fan when you take a fantasy world, but you have an interesting magic system and all the characters are very diverse. Like I was. Listen, this may not be a thing to us Western fans, but in the comic books because of how much, but for a manga to have well-written characters of color in my manga is very important to me because surprisingly there's not that many characters of color inside of these manga panels and the one the few that are usually range from they are a caricature to they actually are done really well but yeah when it comes to this kind of thing other than a silent voice there's not too many 
things when it comes to showing handy capable individuals in it. Though I do say that there is a lot of stories that end up being around like one of the protagonists. There's a lot of medical problems is like one of the biggest tropes is that one character has a deathly illness or they have some sort of life threatening disease. And a lot of the stories end up being be like, how are they going to get through it? I just remembered one that's actually really recent too. Hold up. I think I still have it. One sec. Ah, here we go. So this is really bad podcasting, but this series, I also recommend Blue Flag, which is written. The story and the art is written by an author named Kaito. I think it does an excellent job because it follows these three individuals in high school. And though it's not explicitly said, it does explore a lot of things. Like one of the things is it explored like the in high school, like how you identify and just the exploration of one's fluidity and sexuality and the queerness that comes with it because it's not explicitly said but there's heterosexual relationships there is potentially same-sex relationships but more importantly and this is spoiler so forgive me halfway through the story one of our three protagonists gets hit by a car and so for a portion of the story you see him going to rehab and trying to walk and all this kinds of stuff and seeing the struggle that comes with it, as well as the physical and emer- emotional turmoil that kind of comes with all that. So I think it does an excellent job of being as realistic as possible, given the situation. Now, granted, he ends up making a recovery by the end of the series, but they still took the time to go through that. And it is not like one chapter he was beginning physical therapy and next chan- chapter he's all like a hundred percent the story kind of sees him progress as he gets back to that point and of course baseball pl- he's a baseball player and everything it's a lot of fun but i think when it's well written i think these stories have the awesome capability to because like this whole entire part the whole entire goal of the divergence is to talk about cultural diversity and inclusivity across all mediums and granted i'm fairly aware of the comics but i'm not a in-depth person because i'm still trying to get my feet wet in that world but we all have different strengths and obviously one of the things that anybody wants to see is we want to be able to see a representation of ourselves in whatever shape or form And it's a little off topic, but last week when I sent you boys that video about video games and that interesting topic of like how game developers still can't get African-American hair correct. And just that whole video that I watched, I was like, this is really fascinating and to find it very interesting. But I think for me, it has to come to intent because there have been some great, well-written stories that includes characters like this and they're. They enhance the overall story and they're not just put in there just because you got to meet some sort of quota or some sort of list. But on the flip side, I have seen some really horrible betrayals of it. And we can get into that a little bit later because I have some feelings about some big name podcasts out there. And yeah, but I'll wait until we get to that portion. (laughs) One of the and I agree with you, Mikey, that it's the intent and the ex- the execution it, it you have to i personally feel the story has to show the human experience you know what i mean and when dealing with disabilities you don't have to make it 
where every day is roses because that's just that's not the way it is. Some days are going to be shit and then some days are going to be good. If the person is shown in a positive light living with their disability, I, I think that is, I think that right there is the most important thing. Let's take who someone I feel is a very my, small minority, but probably the best example of, of a person with a disability in media, Toph from Avatar The Last Airbender. She's blind and she's a blind earthbender and they don't, they don't tiptoe around the fact that she's blind. She doesn't tiptoe around the fact that she's blind, but she, she uses her blind, her disability as a strength. And hell, she even, she even is able to tap into that. She's able to to, to tap into that, to, to help her push and, discover a whole new form of bending in metal belt bending. Cause that, I remember that episode. One of the reasons why Toph, so Toph, for those of you who don't know, again, trying to keep it TLDR, but Toph is one of the main characters in the Avatar Last Airbender cartoon series. And she ends up being Aang's earthbender teacher. And she's blind. And the she... She's born, uh, I don't think she's a princess. I think she's like a, I think she's, I know she's from a well-off family. I don't know what her exact, can't remember what her exact title is. But because she's, she was born blind, her parents, they, they consider her to be this fragile little thing. And they, they treat her as such. But Toph, she goes and she actually she learns earthbending from the big from the big ass mole rats that in the mountains by her by the her palace that she lives in and she she uses her or she finds ways to better herself you know while still accepting the fact that she is blind and in this one episode she ran away from home with team avatar and her parents sent b- bounty hunters out to, to bring her back home because, again, they think she's a delicate flower. And she gets caught by these bounty hunters because she walks into their trap pretty easily because she, they, she can't see. They put her in this steel cage, right? And they're taking her back to her parents. And they're all in the front of the cart laughing how they got her and this, that, and the other. While she's in the steel cage and she's doing this thing where she's fucking going through and and punching the walls, right? And feeling all the like the earth particles and the metal and, until she's okay, I got this. And quite literally like bends the metal and is able to rip out of her trap. And then the bounty hunters are like, what? And she's like, yup. And, and she beats the crap out of him and dips out. I it's frustrating that. There can't be more of that type of representation, at least in my opinion, that there can't be more representation of, of disability like that in, in media where it's not built as a negative. It's just built as uh, – or build, I should say. It's just built as part of 
who you are. I know that there, it's part of the acceptance process and part of the grieving process for those, for people who, it's a different process for people who are born with, or I shouldn't say it's a different process, but it's, uh, the timing, I guess, is different for people that are born with disabilities and then people that suffer a, a, an accident and all of a sudden they, they lose the use of a, an appendage or something like that. And I understand that it's so that they they have to start their journey of acceptance a little later on, but that's again that's still part of that human condition. That it's just super frustrating that in entertainment it's so difficult to find good writing for. I think I pers I personally think that's what that's really what's needed. It is not so much of not so much of, oh, hey, there's this superhero who is who has this disability and they're handicapable and we put them on a pedestal every once in a while and that's it. No, I feel it's a lot better. It's a better story and it does people better if you make a character who has this disability who who and we get to to watch them accept their disability and learn and and grow with it instead of making it like this big fanfare thing and then like from one right day, they lose it gordon yeah li listening to you talk for the last couple of minutes because i started thinking back i was like i'm trying to think where what would be an example of some like a good well-written portion of it and then it hit me too so I was a child of the 90s, but I was also still under the age of 18 in the mid 2000s. And for me, I and it just came to my brain right now, I think. And this was a, and this was on Cartoon Network, the kids cartoon, the OG Teen Titans series, not this Teen Titans go crap. I'm still bitter about that. But the OG Teen Titans cartoon on Cartoon Network, I think, had some of the story writing for it was so good and, and it was done in a way that this is technically it's cartoon, but they were able to write it where they were able to deal with a lot of different like real world issues that happen, but in a way that young adolescents would be able to comprehend, like uh, just a few examples of it. And then I'll get to my point. Like I remember one time there was an episode where there was like an alien that came from outer space and it was very racist to Starfinder due to her species of where she lives being a tamaranian and all that and so the teen titans didn't understand because then they started to call her the nickname that he did and she explained to cyborg it's just it, it literally what you're calling me is literally it translates to nothing on my planet he thinks that i'm less than he thinks i'm not worth it and just a whole variety of other things but with this teen titans i think a good example of seeing someone kind of Granted, we didn't see it happen, but I think Cyborg is probably one of the best examples, too. Because remember, prior to being Cyborg, he was football star, all those good things. And then, boom, he father made him into an actual Cyborg. And the initial stages of the comic book iteration, seeing him go through that process of basically being half human, half android at this point and coming to terms with all that. But in the OG cartoon... 
it was so interesting to see him like there was an episode where his body started to shut down and he's just I don't know if I want to be like this anymore. And then through the means, he's like, you know what? This is what makes me all the pain and struggle that I've been through has gotten me to this point. It would be a slap in the face if I just decided to throw it all away. But they did such a good job of balancing of him kind of thinking about what could have been like when he had to go undercover to the Hive Academy and they gave him a cloaking device that gave that changed his appearance. And basically it wasn't his appearance if he was 100 percent still human and just seeing me like, you know what? This is how it could have been. I do miss it again. He acknowledges it, but he's but this is where I'm supposed to be. This is where I've gotten so far. And I'm like, I'm saying OGT Titans had tackled so many different things that I feel that a lot of today's medium in cartoons is missing. And it's always weird because if you look at the generations of cartoons, there's always been like a big prominent thing. So like from about 2010 to about, let's say the 2018s, I know a lot of cartoons, their big thing was trying to include characters that were on the LGBTQIA plus like spectrum. Every cartoon had a plethora of characters there, which were good at some points. But then I was just like, again, we're trying not to fill a quota, ladies and gentlemen. And now a lot of the cartoons and. I do want to say I'm appreciative of it, but a lot of the cartoons are now including like a lot of their characters are persons of color. Like two of my favorite cartoons that I think are on right now is Craig the Creek of Cartoon Network. And then just recently on Disney Plus, Moon Girl is like so amazing. (laughs) I love Moon Girl, but it's so interesting to see like this trend in this fad, but there is a possibility to have good written characters. It just comes down to intent. And if people take the time to actually invest in it and not just do it just because. And I don't know. For me, that's the important bit. I'm like, what is your intention with this? Did you do it because you wanted to explore this or did you do it because you're trying to fill a quota or did you do this because you are trying to appeal to a certain part of the fandom? I'm just like. Because depending on how you answer it is going to depend on how I react to it. (laughs) But that I'll get off my soapbox now. (laughs) My uh, co-host. It's okay. I'm just I'm when it comes to anime and manga and things of that, I'm not really one to speak on it because I don't know a lot. Like, I don't watch a lot. I don't read a lot. I don't. The only I've only there's only a handful. Oh, God. Ghost Stories is a series that I enjoyed. Uh, (laughs) I love that series. The dub is the best part. Yeah, that's my favorite. (laughs) I love it. What's the other one? There's another big one. Oh, I can't remember what it's called. But anyway, there's only two or three. So when you guys are talking talking manga and stuff, I'm just can't really. Yeah. So that's why I've been very quiet. No, and that's understandable, too. But I also think it just depends. It depends on what you're looking to read as well. So. I get you know what I'll link it into the podcast details below. But I mentioned a silent voice and I also mentioned blue flag, too. And while it's technically we're not related to the topic we're talking about, another good read that I recommend anyone. And this includes my co-hosts if they want to expand their manga lore. I definitely recommend the series Our Dreams at Dusk. It's easy for book read and it explores the journey of our main character coming to terms with his sexuality and also getting an interesting look into 
the other characters who are representative of a different spectrum. Like, what does it mean to be gay in like your 50s and 60s? There's like a character who is trying to figure out because they like they're identify as a boy and a girl. There's lesbians. This it's a really good read. And it just explores each of these characters and like the ups and the downs. So I think this is awesome. I, I don't know. I'll definitely we'll talk more afterwards. But yeah. All right. I, I have a character that uh, you might be able to share thoughts on. Okay. What you got? What, what did you think of Jordy LaForge and and his journey in the Next Generation as a as a blind human? Oh, I loved it. I hated the banana clip, but I loved it. And I know he hated the banana clip too because it was uncomfortable. He it like cut out seventy five percent of his vision, but. I saw an interview with him once where he's talking about that and how they were, they were talking about the science of Star Trek and things of that. And they're talking about how people ask the question for the advances that they have in the future. Why didn't Jordy just get new eyes? And he was like, because that's who he was and changing that would have changed who he was. And I think, and one of the one of the great things about Jordy LaForge that I love is like here is again this perfect representation of a blind man, who yes he has augmented sight through his visor, but if he loses his visor he is blind, blind, and yet here is this, this engineer, and there are even there are episodes where he had to do things blind and. Just because he couldn't see, and everyone was like, "Well, it's because he's got his his new eyes and or his visor at that time." And it's yeah, but if watch if you and these are of course most of these people are people who've never actually watched the whole series through, but there are several times where Doherty has to do things blind, and he's brilliant. And it's I think that even going into the later iterations where he got his more like cybernetic eyes. But if you ever, if you watch, and this is what I love about this, and there's, if you've never watched Insurrection, which of course is not a great movie, but there is a beautiful scene in that movie where when you're on the planet in that particular movie, it like basically makes you young again. I mean, it like reinvigorates you. But anyway, his eyes basically regenerate into regular eyes. And there's this beautiful scene towards the end of the movie where he's standing on a cliff watching the sunset. And he said, I just wanted to see the sunset like a sunset for one once. And he was all ready to go back to his, he wanted his eyes back. He wanted his cybernetic eyes back. But he said, I just wanted to see a sunset like everybody else sees it. And it's beautiful. But then he's like, yeah, I choose to go back and get his cybernetic eyes back and things like that. So he... I love that, that it's not a, oh, look, we can cure this disability, and you could, and that's the code, that whole normal, quote unquote. And that's, that would be the problem. That's what bothers me with this, all of this stuff, is in going back to Barbara Gordon, it's like, now she's normal again. She's not special anymore. She's normal. That's that's where the irritation comes from because it's like, why are you saying that what is what she is now is the norm, is the normal, is the what a superhero is supposed to be? That's the annoying. If Barbara Gordon was a real human being and she got this amazing surgery that could make her walk again, I'd be like, you go, girl, because she has the ability to choose to do that. 
Barbara Gordon, the comic book character, doesn't have that choice. She's forced to do that by the people who created her. So, creators, you have a choice. And you chose poorly. And this is usually when you drink from the false grail and you turn into a skeleton. Yep. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And then turn into dust. And the dust. But yeah, that's when it comes to Jordy, I loved his journey because he was not, he did not see himself as handicapped. People around him saw him as handicapped. And that's the thing with Barbara Gordon. Does she actually, when she became Oracle, she didn't see herself as handicapped. <laughs> yeah, she was in a wheelchair, but she could do some badass shit. <laughs> like... She she overcame her handicap. She was like, I'm whatever. I'm doing my thing. It wasn't about her handicap. It was about her, what she could do. And the same way with George. He didn't see himself as handicapped. He didn't see himself as, oh, poor me. Yeah. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. So we're going to transition into our other half of our topic today. And that's the idea of... I'm gonna let Mikey take it away because Mikey really wants to talk on this. So as do I. But I'm gonna let you take this one. Okay. So one of hi, this is the 29-year-old here on this podcast, right? <laughs> and in my short 29 years of life here on this planet Earth, one of the things that has been very important, not to just me, but a lot of I don't want to limit this to the younger generation either, because I know some older folks in the older generations that find this important that. And if you go back to the beginning of our podcast journey here, one of the first things we talked about was representation and inclusivity in all forms of medium, whether it be tabletop games, video games, cartoons, movies, television shows, all that stuff. And in the year 2023, I would say that there is a good chunk of across all different mediums of various creators and content creators and developers who are doing their due diligence to try to diversify all these forms of mediums. But one thing that has also came out of the overabundance of the diversity and the inclusivity is when that inclusivity starts to become very exploitative. So goes back to what I was saying that people are checking the boxes because they're trying to either appeal to certain groups or to get in the good graces of the communities out there. And we have seen within the last couple of years that kind of backfiring in certain incidences. Ooh, I have a lot of opinions on this. So the topic that we're going to be discussing for this next part of our podcast is when does when does the line get drawn and when does the diversity and the inclusivity of any form of project become exploitative? When does it cross that line as now we're being shady, now we're not doing due diligence, now this is just icky. So we're gonna talk about that because I might I'm I am going spoiler warning, I will be calling out some things that have become general public knowledge within different communities. But if you're a fan, please know we are allowed to have a conversation. But I I am going to put some people on blast for the exploitation of a variety of things. So strap in because it's about to get wild. If you couldn't tell, I'm very passionate. (laughs) Just a wee bit. I think the minute it becomes exploitative is the minute that 
the creator of whatever it is goes in with the intention of saying, I'm just doing this so I can, so I can, so I can get some notoriety. So I can. Oh, you mean every corporation that has pride collection in the month of June and then it disappears as soon as July 1st hits the streets? No, saying ain't so. (laughs) You can tell I'm really bitter about this because it happens every fucking year and I'm so upset with the majority of America. I was like, what the fuck, you guys? Yep. This. This touches a nerve. Yeah. (laughs) Back in back in the mid thousands. Again, talking about comic books, this whole Sam Wilson as a black Captain America, this whole Jane Foster as a female Thor. Guess what, people? This wasn't just a weekend thought that it was a recent thing. This change happened all the way back in the in, in the mid thousands. Marvel Comics. And I'll never forget, I was actually, I was really excited because I'm a big Captain America fan. And I was really excited that when I saw the announcement that Captain America uh, is going to be Sam Wilson, he's going to be the new Captain America. Jane Foster is going to be the new Thor. Miles Morales is going to be the new Spider-Man. I was like, in the comics, again, this was in the mid thousands. We're talking, it's 2013 now. So yeah, this was like... 10 years ago, 10 years ago, that's when these storylines started popping up. And, uh, and they came out. It, it was cool. It was really cool. Uh, it, was, it was really cool seeing Sam Wilson's take on being Captain America. It was really cool, the storyline. I thought the storyline that they had with Jane Foster as Thor, you know, that she was, while she was Thor, she was, she was Thor, but... The minute that she stopped being Thor, she had cancer. And every time she became Thor and then subsequently stopped being Thor, the cancer would come back stronger and she wouldn't be able to fight it. It was very compelling storytelling. Miles Morales, Spider-Man, it was a fresh new take on on that storyline. And then, like in true comic book form, in about a month, everything was back to the way it was. Steve Rogers was Captain America again. Odin's son was Thor. And Peter Parker was- Miss, came back from the dead, may I add. From the dead. Some bullshit. It, it felt very much like a slap in the face. And it, it did. It felt very exploitive. And there's a lot of the right we the right leaning like youtubers and and influencers and what and whatnot that that are into comics and whatnot you know one of the things that they decry is is the changing of the changing of a character just to change the character so for example recently it happened with batman where lucius fox lucius Lucius fox's son uh became a black batman and there was a, a big uproar but guess what a month later Bruce Wayne is Batman again. So it was like, what, what are we even doing here? It's, it's just, it's very, it's very, it's very frustrating. Not only as a person of color, but as a reader. And that's going back to what I was saying about the right leaning influencers. That's one of the things that one of the drums that they beat so loudly is that they, people, it, it seems like, 
the big name creators are just will just change just stuff just for a quick buck, just for that quick splash, and then there's nothing that there's nothing there. And it just it grinds my gears because time and again they're proven right because they'll do these things and then it's like the hot thing for a month. It's the hot topic for a month, and once they get their their tweets and all that shit out of it, it just goes back to to status quo. It's just frustrating, and also as readers, just fucking maddening. Just let the fucking story just grow organically, for fuck's sake. No. No, absolutely not. Are you insane? That's unheard of. What are you talking about? One of the one of the things talking talk about exploiting, and I'm going to take so take recent events into hand here. With we talk about like POCs, like we want more people of color characters that are POCs, either black or Latin or Asian or whatever. And the thing that drives me insane is the insincere. Flooding of the market with generic POC characters just to appease POC people. And it's and I think that's an injustice. I think that you're like, oh gosh, we're gonna throw as many characters of color out there as we can just to give everybody this. And it's so then you're just throwing out random characters of color. And they don't there's no substance behind them. There's no there's no backstory behind them. There's no it's just literally cookie cutter just to appease people is basically what it is. So it's if you're gonna do that, then you need to I would rather see a handful of well-developed background, incredible characters of color mixed into bring them out front and mix them into this very white world of superheroes that we have. We're gonna, we're talking superheroes right now. So as opposed to just here, let me drop 50 of them on you. And they have no true significance. But look at me. I'm the company that has put all these amazing characters of color out into the world. Look at us being all inclusive. And it's no, you're not being inclusive. You're being a dick. And I would rather see, as I'm, me being a comic book person, me being a superhero fan, nothing irritates me more than when they drop a superhero on you. <clears throat> Excuse me. That has no substance. None whatsoever. They're like, oh, we're just going to introduce this really this superhero that we think is really cool, and there's nothing to them. That's like their backstory's bogus. They, it's like, why are they here? And I feel it's the same way with characters of color. I think that we're getting a lot, and that's cool. We're getting this sort of visual, we're being seen mentality. But I think it's getting corporations, and this is corporations, not creators. Corporations are just inundating the market with characters of color that have no substance. But because, but they're there. It's, oh, we're going to... In this background scene, we're going to put 50 other characters of color in there just because it's now you're going to one extreme to the other. It's mix it in. We know what a population looks like. You should take a population from a large city, grab a huge portion of it, set them up next to it. You can see the mixture of the colors and the races and all of that. Don't try to make a statement using someone's skin pigment. That is so annoying. I hate it. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I feel 
one of the big fails in, in pop culture in recent years having to deal with that was the Star Wars movies and uh, dealing uh, with and John Boyega with as Finn and and Rose. Oh man, what's what? Not yeah. Kelly Tran and just the way that, that poor woman that was so unfair to her. Yeah, and I will oh, fight people for her. Also, yeah, I don't. I don't think Star Wars has done a really. That's a, like, that's actually a great example. You're right that, because it was like, here, let's make a multicultural cast, and it's that's cool. Don't get me wrong, because I love that, but it's got to feel natural, and that didn't feel natural. Literally, it was like as you were going through the movie, it was like playing like culture bingo. Oh, there's my black man. There's a black woman. Oh, there's an Asian. Oh, there's our Latin, Latinx, Latina. Oh, hey, bingo. And then, and then, then, like the kick in the balls was how there was such a big thing in The Last Jedi. Was it The Last Jedi? What was the last movie? Last Uh, Jedi, wasn't it? No, Rise of Skywalker. There's this big fucking thing about oh, there's a same sex kiss in the in in the rise of Skywalker. There's a same sex kiss. Oh my god! It was was like everyone calm down. It was a 1.1 second fucking pan by. Oh my god! I know it was literally like (laughs) you blinked, you would have missed it. it? That was was I was like, I feel cheated. I need more time. (laughs) I was very like. I was very upset because Poe and what's his name? God, I can't remember his character name now. Dang it. They didn't get together at the end. I was like, they should have been. Finn, thank you. Yeah, they should have been together. That would have been. Can we just talk about the baiting that was that whole entire bromance? I was just Mm -hmm. like, I'm like, I'm not saying they need to, but you can't put it out there and have the fans speculate. I'm like, that's another big thing, too. That happens just across all the media, and I see it all the time in manga. It's just like queer baiting. I was like, this is oh, yeah, that's Can- become oh. a huge thing. That's another topic for another day. Yes. In regards to Finn <laughs> and, and Poe Dameron, that would have been just such such a great organic yeah. romance story. They freaking know? set it up that way. I am and, not even, you cannot tell me they did not set it up that way in the very first fucking movie. I was like, yeah. And then, like, oh. and, yeah, and uh, it was so frustrating. And I love Kelly Tran's character. I love mm-hmm. Rose. I just, oh, me too. It was very frustrating to me. They did her wrong. How in in this in the second one, the second one was the Last Jedi. The second one was the Last Jedi. How in the Last mm-hmm. Jedi, they really just kind of forced that whole Finn Rose romance thing. Oh, that's be- yeah. that's because of the, all of the spicy fan fiction that was coming out about Finn and Poe, and all of a sudden in the second movie, suddenly here comes Rose, and they did her wrong, by the way. And all of a sudden they were trying to for yeah they were trying to force this relationship or the not a relationship but like a sense of something, and I was like, why can't like, that I don't believe you. <laughs> And then in in the Rise of Skywalker, it just kind of it gets brushed to the side anyway. <laughs> this is what happens. This is what happens when studios get too involved in the process, and when you have because think about it, because you had J.J. Abrams be directing the first one, then you had 
a new director for the second one in Ryan Johnson. And then you went back to JJ for the third one. I was just like, this is what happens when the mouse overlord tried to step into and had his hand in way too many pots. Yep. And I'm, I'm an equal opportunity angry guy. So I'm going to look over at Star Trek too. At the yeah. reboot, the they made such a big thing about it in Star Trek Into Darkness about how Sulu is gay, but again, it was just like this this just passing thing. This passing, mm-hmm. you see him walking out with his husband or something. Or, That's in the it? third one, isn't it? Yeah, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. If we want to make that statement, why could we have not spent a few? minutes in the first two movies like addressing that and just at least planting the seeds of, of that like an off comment of, of oh my my husband usually takes care of things you know it's, it's, it's or, or something like that and just kind of like to get that, that mm-hmm. conversation going. I agree with you. so then by by the third one when he's it's just like, eh. yeah it's like a sidebar almost yeah and it's oh okay Cool. Yeah, yeah, cool. Hell, we saw a, a better same-sex relationship oh, in DS9. <laughs> yeah. And that episode with Jedzia Dax. Yeah. Uh, when that other trill. Yeah, when we got our first lesbian kiss on television. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I remember. I it was the worst kiss ever. That's what was so beautiful. Oh yeah, it was disgustingly horrible. And it was, which was what's so wonderful about it, though. Oh yeah, if you ever go, go watch it. Go watch it. Oh my god. No, it's like these two women, and it was it was done intentionally because it was like you know they were like they kiss and it's supposed to be this awkward just because they had they were in two different bodies and it was now they were both women and it was just this and they did this kiss and the kiss was horrible. Yeah, that's the thing. So the, the, the point of information is that in the Trill alien race, certain Trills, they have the ability to carry a symbiotic parasite uh, with them. And that symbiotic parasite is passed on from generation to generation to generation. So the one Or actually, it's host to host, host, host not generational. Host 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 host. Yeah. Host, yeah, host to host. And each new host can still access like certain personalities and memories of the past hosts of the symbiote. Yeah. And this character, Jadzia Dax, one of her previous hosts, their wife. Yeah. Came aboard or something like that. Yep. Or yeah. Their it wife. Was, it was, yeah. It was like a past, yeah. A past wife. It was, was it Curzon's wife, maybe? I don't remember. It was someone, but it was one of the, her yeah, previous host's wife. I, I don't... It wasn't Curzon. It wasn't Curzon. Yeah, it wasn't Curzon. But, but yeah, one of his previous host's wives showed up, and the... And that that's how, like, the that's how the series subvertly did the whole lesbian... Introduced the whole lesbian thing. But it, but it was... Like, I thought it was really well done from a story standpoint, from a writing standpoint, especially in that time period on television where it was still, that was a big fucking taboo back then. Oh, yeah, absolutely. When is it? She, Dak was reunited with the Khan symbiote, a wife of one of her previous hosts. It doesn't say which one. I don't remember. But anyway, but yeah, that's the, that was the big kiss, the big lesbian kiss. And everyone got very, I was very excited about it because I was like, oh my gosh, gay people on television. 
Even though technically they, even though technically they weren't gay, but it was still that sort of representation because it was two women kissing. It was like, oh, in a much in a very like sexual manner, not oh hey how are you doing? Not kiss, but hey I love you. And let me taste what you ate for lunch type of kiss. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And but yeah, you're right. I mean, it's the idea of exploitation. We talk about like gay pride or Pride Month when every gay-friendly corporation is suddenly super gay for a whole month. And then Ooh, child, July 1st, they're back to normal. See, yeah. as your resident... <laughs> yeah, I also have, like, more of a smaller problem, too. And I don't want to say it because it might come off as really bad. <laughs> but listen, as your resident bisexual man on this podcast, I was just like, I feel attacked with the erasure of all the other different forms of orientation during that month. I was like, listen, I was like, I understand. But at the same time, I was like, corporations, if you were smart, you want to pander to everybody, not just. Yeah. Gay pride is really, it's still called gay pride, but it's not really just exclusive to gay people. It's very much diverse nowadays. See, I know that. And we, and my co-hosts know that, but that's because we're smart <laughs> because to the general American who lives in buckwheat in the bunk fuck of middle of nowhere. <laughs> speaking of which, this is off topic. I'll send you boys some pictures because I got some T-shirts that a history teacher friend of mine turned me on to. And I was like, yes, this is what I'm going to wear. I will send pictures later. It's yeah, actually so great. I love it. Yeah, that's when it comes to exploitation. I think it's if you're going to if you're going to include gays, lesbians, whoever, Blacks, Latins, any of those, then make make them make sense. An example you know, of one that doesn't make sense. So this is where I'm going to get spicy, right? Go for it. I'm calling out the big podcasters out there. Okay, so to any of my listeners, I'm going to preface by saying this. I don't hate the people that I'm going to talk about, but everybody has unanimously agreed all over the internets and just in the fandom in general, there wasn't a great story. So... I don't know how I don't know if any of you two are familiar with the adventure zone, right? <laughs> okay. Oh, Adolfo, this actually okay. So, Will, you know them. Adolfo, do you really not know? Because I would be like, yes, that's actually. I have no idea who the, I no no idea who these people are. <laughs> Honestly, that is okay because yeah, and this is for a different. Honestly, it's okay because then it gets into a different topic we could have for another episode is what happens when people try to copy other people's and things like that. Because, Lord have mercy, have I been some horrible games (laughs) because people want to be the next big thing. But anyways, so the Adventure Zone is a I don't even want to call them a D&D actual play podcast because they're beyond that. They're like a mega corporation at this point, like a family owned business. It is run by these three brothers and their dad who started out playing Dungeons and Dragons. So they started their podcast like literally when fifth edition was about to drop. Right. So they got somehow they got access to 5e before anybody else. They started playing it and they basically made a whole entire empire off of playing specifically fifth editions and dragons but then there was also some smaller series that tried different systems like monster of the week all that good stuff will probably knows what arc i'm about to talk about in terms of how 
exploitative and fucking train wreck it's going to be. But Will, do you have any guesses what I'm about to talk about? <laughs> so there is a particular series that the Adventure Zone did a couple years ago called Graduation. <laughs> Will's face says it all, ladies and gentlemen. Listen, the sheer amount of problematic shit that happened in that whole entire series from the insensitivity to handicapable individuals. The wheelchair incident had me floored to the what's the nice way of putting it to the racial coding of characters that are supposed to be of Native American descent. But then you turned them into savages. And I was like, and it was based off like Native American cultures. I was like, ooh, nah. There was a lot of questionable things that happened. But talking about the exploitative, every other NPC had to either be some checking of the box. They either had to be a person of color. They had to be bisexual, pansexual, lesbian, transgender, gay. And it didn't do anything to enhance the story. They were just thrown in there because it's, oh, look at us. We're trying to be diverse. I'm like, that's not how this works. And so by the end of graduation, this really killed the momentum for a little bit for Adventure Zone because a lot of people were not having it. <laughs> they were just it got so much backlash that I would say they never really recovered 100 percent. Granted, it's like quiet at the moment now. But yeah, after graduation, it. It took them a very long time before they decided to do another series. But that, ooh, child. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm amazed they recovered it all, to be honest. I really am. Because that was pretty scathing. That was like, what the fuck is happening right now? They just forgot where they were, when they were. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm just like, Whoa. yeah, I, oh my God. I stopped like following them like during that whole thing. I I was like, nope. <laughs> I was like, nope. I was like, I couldn't get away from it fast enough. I was like, because I didn't want people associating my name with them. I was like, nope. I'm out. I like unfollowed them on everything, every social media, everything. I unfollowed them. I was like, nope. Click, click. Yeah, it was really bad, Adolfo. So, the Adventure Zone. So if you're so we're going to we're going to zoom into the lens of TTRPGs for a little bit, specifically Dungeons and Dragons. At the time of this recording, it is March 2023. At this time, you have the critical roles. You have your Dimension 20s. And I would say you even though they had that horrible backlash with graduation, the Adventure Zone are some of the pillars of be like, hey, we can make Dungeons and Dragons profitable as an actual play podcast and which has literally inspired thousands and thousands of people trying us at Vibe Tribe and <laughs> included. But when I tell you graduation Adolfo was uh, dude, I'm see, you're lucky because you have no idea of who the Adventure Zone is. And I'm going to be perfectly honest. This might be a hot take. Good on you. <laughs> I kid you not, Adolfo, if you listen to graduation from beginning to end, you would like literally W.E. ready to hit somebody with chairs. It is so racially insensitive. It is especially when it comes to the trans characters. Ooh, we don't. I was ready to fight somebody. Yeah, no, I'm yeah, it's bad. <laughs> yeah, 
stay as far away from it as you can. <laughs> it's just don't do uh. Yeah, it's rough. It's it was painful. And I'm just like, and I'm just sitting here thinking, I was just like, did you? I was like, listen, and this is what I say. And this is a joke when I tell my friends, but y'all, I was like, this is to my non-melanated listeners out in the podcast land. Always surround yourself with like-minded people, but also surround yourself with people of color because you want to know why? Because we are going to tell you what is up and what is not. Because when I got done listening to graduation, I sat back and I was like, did they not have anybody to consult any of the shit with? I was like, what the freak is going on? I don't understand. I was like, how did anybody, including the editing team and the players and all that, think that any of this was going to be a good idea? I was like, where was the accountability? There was none. (laughs) And I'm just sitting here and I'm just like, I give a lot of companies grief when they I give a lot of companies grief when they want to be supported of any marginalized group. And it doesn't matter what I will get after them equally. And I believe everything is fair turnaround. But what frustrates me is when you try to do that and you do it poorly is when I get really pissed off. I was like, it's already bad enough you're trying to pander and to try to include just for profit. But when you do a bad job with it. Yeah. And I was like, you survive because you got all this money invested. This is on an unrelated notebook similar. Two or three years ago, like I remember the scandal that happened with Forever 21, where they had this poor little black child who was a model and he literally had a sweater with the picture of a monkey on it. And I was just like, oh, no, we are not. It was so bad. I was like, did nobody on your PR team look at this? Be like, you know what? There's a lot of racial undertones here. Let's not do that. And then they went through with it anyways. I was like, what is happening? Yep. (laughs) That's what grinds my gears is it's already bad enough when you pander, but it's bad when you pander and you do it badly. (laughs) Poorly. Yeah. Again, you chose poorly. Oh, my goodness. Uh, that's so. and, uh, as a creator, one of the important things to do is you do your due diligence, do your research. What was it? A few years ago, I went to PAX Unplugged in Philly and I sat in on a very interesting panel regarding world building, but non, for lack of a better term, non traditional white Western fantasy world building. World building using other settings from other races and whatnot. And one of the top things that the, that this uh, creator was talking about was do your research, do your due diligence. If you have a, if you have a country that is anti, is anti-gay, why are they anti-gay? Don't just, that was the other thing they were saying is that don't just do it just to do it have some sort of reason some sort of some sort of core there as to 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 what the what and the why agreed i think and i'm gonna get a little bit of spoiler territory here for for picard season three if if you are a picard fan and you haven't seen the most recent episode which by the time this comes out you should have seen it if not just put me on mute and fast forward but the most recent episode i felt did a 
a good job of the cap of the USS Titan, Shaw. He's an asshole, right? Yeah, he is. And he is a the whole thing with like dead naming seven and all that. Yeah, like we we see the parallel that that they're trying to draw here with real world and dead naming people and in that situation. But in this last episode, it didn't. It gave us a reason as to why Shaw was an asshole. And it did it's not that it made him more likable, but it did actually. <laughs> yeah, he's still an asshole. He is. Know? And he's a but, but he's a self-proclaimed one too. Right. Yeah. What was it? Dipshit from Chicago? Yeah, dipshit from Chicago. Yeah. But he he his hate for the Borg is explained and his really it was his, it's his hate for picard that's explained right his and his <laughs> by extension his hate of picard and unfortunately like seven is caught in the crossfire of that because seven was was borg yep. and <clears throat> he as her first officer he keeps calling her lieutenant or commander hansen as mm-hmm. opposed to commander seven which is her preferred name, even though that Annika Hansen is her biological name. She still likes to go by seven because that's who she, that's who she is. And yeah, the episode did a good job of giving us a why, you know, and not just making him an asshole to be, to be an asshole and to give us like someone to hate. It gave us a why and it gave us, it gave us a place where a conversation can now start to maybe come to some sort of better understanding of the situation. I could go on and on, but I'm going to save my rage for another time. (laughs) That's fair. In the case of Picard, I feel like it could have really easily gone down that exploitation slide. Oh, yeah. I agree. Really easily. Really easily. Oh, absolutely. Um, But they did a... I feel they did... I think it was... I think it was subtle enough. I think... That's why they're very much like just subtle enough. They put it, they do it like there and then they move on. So it makes yeah. you go, oh, did you see that? Did you hear that? Right. Oh my gosh, that was great. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. All right. I think that's where we're going to end it tonight. We will be back again, of course, with more in our next, on our next episode where we talk even more about inclusivity and, and I, and we talked about Picard and I, I think we should let's go to the movies next time let's all go to the movie let's all go to the movies and let's talk about inclusivity and, and accessibility in the movies so i think that's a great place for us to go and just want to say thank you all for listening hopefully you'll continue listening and if you haven't listened to us before please go check out our other podcasts prior to this this is i don't even remember what episode we're on what is this episode seven <laughs> seven so if you haven't if seven's your first go back and listen to one through six so it, we're happy to have you here again i am will one of three of the divergents and then my other compadres here are and i am Adolfo, the nerdy puerto rican and i am mikey your pop culture geek and founder of vibe tribe productions <laughs> So come back and see us again. Ciao. Bye. This has been a Vibe Tribe production. Remember, take care of each other, love one another, and as always, keep those good times rolling. We'll see you next time.